then I think about the process as a whole and and not just from the perspective of how I want to do it or how the business wants to do it, but taking into account the key contacts with both owners, tenants, or any of those other external stakeholders. So I think one of the challenges that the industry has is we often design processes purely from the point of view of how we want to do it. And any kind of customer experience or customer touches are often just a byproduct of how we want to do that particular job. In actual fact, if you're a truly customer-centric business, it's almost like the reverse is true. So you should start out with any given process. Think about what your key stakeholders want out of that, whether it's the owner, whether it's the tenant. How would they feel? What would they expect you to be able to deliver in this scenario? Get that really clear in your mind and then work backwards to how are you going to do that process to ensure that you kind of deliver those outcomes to them at that point in time. Welcome to the Property Management Podcast with That Property Mum. I'm your host, Kylie Walker. I'm a former television sports journalist and mother of four turned co-owner of a million-dollar real estate brand. Each week, I teach women in the property management industry all the best tips to help you balance your career and family, grow your dream business, master your fear, boost your confidence, and conquer your mindset. Ready to get started? Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Property Management Podcast. Thank you so much for having me in your ears. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to ask, have you heard about the PM Accelerate membership yet? It's my very own membership and inside are all the tools, templates, checklists, workflows, training, processes that I use inside my own real estate business. I've also included a whole done for you hub, which includes done for you social media, blogs, newsletters, video scripts, and so much more. It is super affordable, super valuable, and the exact training and support over 6,000 property managers and business owners in my community have been asking for. And whether you're Australian based or based in the UK or US, The tools and trainings inside are for everyone and for every stage of business. Head to the link in the show notes and take a look at what's inside. Now, in this episode, we are going to geek out a bit and talk about workflow and property management software. Now, I wasn't really aware of the differences between a workflow and a process. So let me break down exactly what a workflow is for you. Now, a workflow is a sequence of tasks, steps, or processes used to accomplish a specific goal. It's important because it streamlines work, increases efficiency, reduces errors, and helps in tracking and managing tasks effectively. Seems pretty simple, right? But it can get complicated if you are trying to create them inside your own business. And it can take a lot of time as well. Now, I introduced workflows into my business when I outsourced support with VAs. This created a seamless flow of work between my Australian team and the overseas team. And everyone knew what was expected at each trigger point in the workflow. This created consistency, eliminated a lot of stress and stopped the finger pointing when something went wrong. It was a game changer actually. But my guest today, well, he worked out the value of workflow long before me. His name is Brock Fisher and he is currently 
the Executive Manager of Industry and Partnerships at property management software company Colmio. After a long career as a property manager and BDM, working for companies that managed thousands of properties, he jumped into the tech space when he saw the value and potential Colmio offered, along with its point of difference to other software products on the market with the workflow element. So what is Colmio? Well, Colmio is revolutionizing property management and it helps to streamline your workflow, automate daily tasks and communicate directly with your clients all in the one place. Their product is rethinking how things get done to reduce stress and save you time on those pesky to-dos. With their platform, it tracks everything for you and lets you know what you need to do next, not the other way around. And it's also mobile friendly, so you can work while you're on the road as well. But enough about Comeo from me. I want you to take a listen to Brock's story and the valuable insights into the future of property management that he shares. So take a listen. Brock, thank you so much for joining me on the Property Management Podcast. Now, before we dive in, can you share with our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got started doing what you're doing now? Thanks, Kylie. Great to be here. Appreciate the invite to to join your podcast. So my name is Brock Fisher. I'm Executive Manager of Industry and Partnerships at uh, a property software company called Colmio. That's kind of off the back of, I guess, two decades of property management real estate experience. So my real estate journey started kind of by accident, like so many people's have, back in 1998, actually, in central west New South Wales. So uh, I'd finished high school. I was busily dodging going to university. Didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. Found myself in an interview at Rain and Horn in Bathurst and became uh, a sales assistant there. So after a year of putting up the best signs and taking the best photos on actual film in Bathurst, one of the ladies that worked in at Rain and Horn Bathurst was a lady by the name of Michelle Delaney. So Michelle was quite influential in property management circles. And after her moving out of Bathurst, Managed quite a few offices in the Hunter Valley for Ray White and then came, uh, became a corporate Ray White representative running property management for the, for the franchise for quite a few years. So Michelle was very influential in property management and convinced me to join, join the team as a leasing consultant. So I started leasing properties, then progressed through property management roles and into senior property manager roles there. I was there for five and a half years, having a great time. Then my my girlfriend at the time, who was now my wife, decided that um, she was going to move to Queensland. So I thought, hey, why not? I'm up for a bit of an adventure. So I actually started a job at Ray White Ascot in probably around 2003 and started the rent role at Ray White Ascot, working pretty closely with Dwight Ferguson, who's a you know, really good guy, high-performing principal in the network. And in fact, uh, Damon Warwick is now the selling principal at Ray White Ascot, was actually working as a leasing consultant uh, at the time when we were in property management way back then, kind of 20 years ago. So had a business development and kind of department head role there, did that for quite a number of years, then actually transitioned to on-site management um, for a period of time. So that was quite an interesting contrast, I guess, when you're kind of living among all of the the tenants and the people that you're managing on a day-to-day basis. I I was actually working for a, a Brisbane family who had quite a significant private property holding so so much so that they could just engage their own property manager rather than you know have their couple of hundred properties managed in a traditional sense so really enjoyed that role actually and really enjoyed working with the family you know we're still in touch today and I kind of still feel like I'm part of that family but curiosity about career paths kind of got the better of me there and actually made a couple of 
pretty shocking career choices off the back of that in close succession. But the silver lining to that was uh, in 2011, I actually ended up in a business called Rental Express in Brisbane, which people who have been around around the business uh, for quite a while might recall. And that was a really exciting trajectory because it was quite a large-scale, fast-growth business. I originally joined that business to kind of work on what was what we called at the time the independent business owner kind of business structure. And that was basically a structure where as a property manager, I had a share in the asset value of my portfolio and I could grow it and therefore grow the value of my business. And then I would get paid a percentage of the revenue generated by that portfolio. So that was kind of, I guess, an early iteration of, of a model that Jody Staten later took to market and made quite famous. And that we see sometimes in what we kind of call a supported sole trader model now, where you've got businesses like Agents Agency and Penex and those sorts of people who provide operational kind of overhead support for people to run their own sort of solo micro businesses. So that was a really great initiative. I was able to move from that into a training role and then later into a role as Chief Operations Officer at Rental Express. And because of the scale that we had and the fact that I benefited from working with a lot of really forward-thinking minds in that business, uh, I got to do a lot of cool things probably wouldn't have otherwise uh, been able to do. So worked extensively with offshore assistance. So I grew a team in the Philippines from two people to about 80 people over a period of seven years, providing 55 or 60 different process support functions um, to our frontline service providers in the Australian team. Uh, It was a business heavily involved in MPS and customer satisfaction and customer experience metrics. So was heavily involved in the progression of that program from originally something that we did on uh, SurveyMonkey and a whole bunch of complicated spreadsheets with formulas and stuff to working with an enterprise-grade piece of software called Custom Gauge, where we worked on a bespoke trigger point-based surveying program so that as we completed particular processes in the business, that would trigger a survey to go out to, to owners and to tenants, and that gave you a great level of really detailed insight into that. So the Rental Express journey was was you know, really quite a career-shaping one for me. I was fortunate enough to be able to buy a small shareholding in that business and become a shareholder. We were purchased in 2015, I think, by the Little Group. So as part of that transaction, I then moved into the little real estate business and basically continued to do what I was doing from an operational and tech and system support and customer gauge perspective, but on a broader scale. So when I left the little real estate business in 2019, uh, we're up to about 23,000 properties under management at that time. And because I'd spent so much of the previous 10 years working pretty heavily with the tech stack in the business, then the opportunity to move into Colmio and be more heavily involved in property management software was quite an appealing one. So that's kind of the player. The the role I play on the team at Colmio is is around that domain expertise piece. Like I'm not a programmer, I don't punch out code or do any of that type of stuff, but it's all about context and working with our product owners and designers on you know the how people will use what they're building and what the problems are that they're trying to solve. What a journey. That is amazing. And you don't see too many men in property management, especially back then when you were starting. So how did you find it being around, just an off-the-cuff question, but how did you find it being around all of that female energy when you were starting out? If you are anything like me, you think you know your rent roll numbers. Well, I thought I did until I had a rent roll health check and I was quite literally shocked. The money I was leaving on the table was astounding. And this is not something that I'm proud to admit. There were mismanagement fees, let fees, advertising and lease renewal fees not being charged. 
and properties even without bonds. And all of this was happening despite monthly audits being conducted in my business. So how did I uncover all these gaps in my valuable income? Well, I had a rent roll due diligence from my good friend Tazi, aka the Rent Roll Queen and founder of the Tazi Way, a specialist in rent roll due diligence, business valuation and management rights. The Tazi Way is the innovative force driving the real estate industry. With 25 years of business and real estate acumen, they find gaps and risks in your agency to find undiscovered value. If you'd like to book your business in for a rent roll due diligence, head to the link in the show notes and mention That Property Mum for a 10% discount. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. It's got a couple of, couple of different elements to it. I think, you know, first aspect is, you know, you rightly point out that property management is traditionally a female-dominated profession and that males tend to gravitate towards the glory and the shiny lights of sales and I guess from a peer pressure point of view, that was a constant probably throughout the first 10 years of my career that everyone would go, well, when are you going to move into sales? And I just kind of found it an irritation that people thought that property management was just a stepping stone. Like I thought, well, why couldn't property management be its own rewarding career path? And Love that. So I also find that the attraction to me of property management is its team environment, whereas from a sales point of view, it's basically every person themselves. Like everyone is basically out to do their own thing and get their own deals together. And you know, there's this kind of pin facade of camaraderie, but it's really not that deep because everyone kind of has their own motives and agendas. So I can do sales. I've been a successful BDM in the past. Like I've got those skills, but I just don't necessarily like doing it all the time because I find it's quite repetitive and you're having the same styles of conversations over and over again like it's pretty much a never-ending cycle of going out talking to people objection handling negotiation going through the marketing process getting deals done and then kind of repeating times 300 so you know I enjoyed it when I did it but I never wanted to do it forever and I certainly never wanted to move into the sales side of business because I valued the camaraderie of the team in the property management side of things and I just became more fascinated with the operational challenges and that's kind of where so many of my interests lie so that's that's kind of the path i wanted to go down but yeah definitely in that first 10 years the notable points were yeah so many people just would always assume that you were just in property management for a short period of time before you embarked on a sales career and you know the churn rate in sales is probably even higher than in property management like it's not like everyone is making a killing out of sales it's a tough grind and there's a lot of repetition there but I think from a from a gender perspective, even back in my school days, I was kind of always just one of the girls anyway. So you know, it didn't really <laughs> didn't really phase me at all. Pretty much constantly working with with women for most of my life because you know I, I grew up with sisters and I just find it kind of relatable. Beautiful, love it. Let's talk about move on to the the topic of today's discussion, and that is talking the concept of workflow. And I've been working with workflow in my own business for a few years now. So please explain to anyone listening how the concept of, I guess, workflow can reduce that chaos and stress and ultimately save lots of time. Yeah, well, there's a few different elements to it. I guess when we talk about workflow, we're kind of talking about the processes that you do in your business and how you do them and the manner in which you kind of surface that information to everyone needs to do their particular part of, of that puzzle. So there's a couple of key points. I guess I think of it in terms of um, first thing you need is a trigger point. Like uh, 
what is going to happen, but he's going to start a workflow of any different kind. So whether that's a lease renewal, a vacating tenant workflow, any of those types of things, is there a trigger point? What is that trigger point? And can it be automated so that people don't kind of have to remember to do it? So that's kind of the first key point. Then I think about the process as a whole end to end, not just from the perspective of how I want to do it or how the business wants to do it, but taking into account the key contacts with both owners, tenants, or any of those other external stakeholders. So I think one of the challenges that the industry has is we often design processes purely from the point of view of how we want to do it. And any kind of customer experience or customer touches are often just a byproduct of how we want to do that particular job. In actual fact, if you're a truly customer-centric business, it's almost like the reverse is true. So you should start up any given process. Think about what your key stakeholders want out of that, whether it's the owner, whether it's the tenant. How would they feel? What would they expect you to be able to deliver in this scenario? Get that really clear in your mind and then work backwards to how are you going to do that process to ensure that you kind of deliver those outcomes to them at that point in time. So um, there's a bit there about process design uh, and how are you going to deploy that in your business? Ultimately, what you want to achieve out of that is the ability to remove variability and to have repeatability in your business because from a property management point of view, we want to set a really high and consistent level of customer service. And you can only kind of get that if you are consistent in what you deliver. So there's so many challenges presented by bringing a whole bunch of people together, each that have their own way of wanting to do things because then you have you know, a really big variation in what experience your owners and tenants are getting on the receiving end of that. So it's important as a business to be clear on what you stand for and what your service standards should be and how you want to do a particular thing and then design processes in a way that ensures that people are delivering to that, to that level and to that benchmark. Because we rely so heavily on referral business and you know, rent roll growth through organic in production. And that can't be a person-specific experience. So if someone has a great experience with your property manager and that person refers a friend and they're dealing with a different property manager in your business, it's important that they're getting that same level of experience. Otherwise, they're going to look at the person that referred the meeting and go, what are you talking about? This is, this is actually being quite garbage. So consistency and repeatability and removing the variability from the service thing that you offer. But the other key point about this is, really important is around onboarding. So as you're recruiting uh, new team members, we all know that churn is a real big problem in property management, and it's probably only getting worse as opposed to better. So there's a whole range of moving parts around successfully onboarding new team members, but certainly one of those key parts is having clearly defined workflows that people find easily to follow. So think a lot about this concept of time to competency. You know, How long does it take people to get up to speed when they join your business? And how are you facilitating that to be you know, an effective and easy and straightforward journey? And that's not just about workflow. It's about the tech stack that you're using, how easy it is for people to get stuff done. But yeah, there's no doubt that the, the overall concept of workflows are really in that piece. Uh, that is great advice there. And I just want to go back and maybe touch a little bit more on how somebody could get started implementing workflow into their business. Because one of the biggest issues that I have in my business is I like to think that I'm customer centric and I have my processes in place, but you're right. When you onboard new team members into your business, if I found if I wasn't doing the onboarding process and I wasn't doing the training, then a lot of, there's a lot of things that got missed and overlooked and not passed on. And then I would be calling somebody out and saying, Hey, why didn't you do this? And oh, I was never shown that. 
I was never taught that, um, which where I think workflow um, is really will, will eliminate a lot of that, you know, confusion over uh, what is expected. But if you're going to build in workflow into your business, you, you kind of mentioned that going back to your, you know, what you want your business to stand for, what its values are. Is that the starting place for, for building workflows? And how would somebody go about, maybe share a bit of a, an example of how they could build a workflow in, say, onboarding a new client or something like that? If you're ready to be a super organized, focused and productive property manager, buckle up because Colmeo is about to revolutionize the way that you work. Colmeo is the driving force behind property management excellence in residential real estate. Now picture this, a comprehensive end-to-end system designed to be the beating heart of your property management tasks, manage your properties, owners and tenants, and handle payments, inspections, and even marketing listings without leaving the platform. Colmeo is designed to be an all-in-one solution to all your property management needs. And here's the game changer. Colmeo isn't just software. It's been awarded the most innovative prop tech scale-up in 2023. Yes, you heard it right. Colmeo has been recognized for their groundbreaking approach to property management software. How good is that? So property managers, whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, Dive into the future of property management with Colmeo. You can book in a demo with the team today and go in their weekly draw for a Prezi gift card worth $100. All you need to do is to head to the link colmeo.com forward slash that property mum and Colmeo is K-O-L-M-E-O. Right. So I think there's probably tips around how to do it manually and tips around how to do it digitally, but I guess it kind of all depends on what tools you have at your disposal now. So if you don't use a system that has comprehensive inbuilt workflow and you're not using an external digital workflow tool, um, perhaps you might have something like a procedure manual in your business or anything like that. Now, I'm a guy that likes detail um, and I like clarity, but I think procedure manuals across the course of Many decades have proven to be dust collecting white elephants in property. Absolutely. So lots of people invest so much time in writing a 400-page manual that no one ever reads and it sits on the shelf and gathers dust and it's hard to keep updated and it's not agile and if you want to change the way you do things, it's very complicated. So the underlying problem there is it's just difficult to consume. Like people are busy. Um, they don't have time to sit down and read through 400 pages. So Not everyone reads that, learns that way either. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I've found um, it's a lot more successful in the past um, just using simple flowcharts. Like people just want a one-page guide on how do I do a particular thing. So if for all of your key processes, bearing in mind, always things happen in property management that you haven't seen before. But there's a fair bit of repetition involved and most businesses will have maybe 10 or 20 primary things that they do all the time. So that's kind of where you focus your, your efforts because it's the classic Pareto principle where 80% of the value is in 20% of kind of those sorts of things. So if you've got your primary processes sorted uh, and you've got a simple, easy to read flowchart that guides people through from start to finish what's expected, then that's a great way to move forward if you don't have a digital tool to kind of help. Now, 
when you're working out what your process um, flowchart should look like, that's a good opportunity to figure out if you actually have consistency in your processes now or not, because this helps you in so many other ways as well. Like if you want to get using offshore assistance or any of those sorts of uh, types of um, ways to gain more efficiency and free up your property manager's time, the first thing you need if you're looking at an offshoring model is clear, clear processes. And so many conversations I've had with business owners years uh, revolve around the fact that, yeah, yeah, we've got processes, no worries. And then you go and talk to three different property managers about how they do a particular thing and you get three different answers. So just working through that process of flowcharting your primary processes is really important to discover if everyone kind of is on that same wavelength. But then once you have your process, you can then think more about that customer piece. So ideally, if you're starting everything from scratch, you want to think about what touch points your customers are tenants want out of that whole experience first and then kind of work back to a process but that takes time so if you've got a clearly defined process that everyone can sit around and review then you can think okay well based on how i'm doing this process if if i'm an owner am i really getting what i want out of that like is that the type of correspondence i have is that the conversation i want to be having is that the frequency i want to be kept up to date and if it's not then you can kind of adjust your flow chart and work those um, those steps in same with the tenant now I think automation is really popular in our industry, but so often we automate in reverse. Like we automate the initial moments where we could be building a relationship or adding a value, and then we only jump on the phone or follow up people in person if they haven't responded to a series of automated prompts. Now, in reality, I think the reverse is the better way to do that, where your initial chance to jump on the phone or add value or you know create a wow moment with the customer or actually just have a conversation and understand where they're at before you take the next step saves people a whole lot of downstream effort because you're not fruitlessly following up stuff that's kind of irrelevant. So if you send out something automated to a tenant, it's about a lease reel or something like that, and you know, and they already know that they're not going to renew, but you just haven't asked them. And then you subsequently follow them up about the lease renewal four or five times. Like that just annoys them. And it's just a waste of time for you. Whereas if you just got on the phone to begin with and went, hey, you staying or going? And they were like, hey, we're going. Then you can go, cool. We'll just cut straight to that chase. And then you can kind of help them with, the vacate coaching, do you need us to help you move house, all of that type of stuff, rather than just kind of having your blinkers on about this is a leash reel, bam, 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 bam. And that's overall a better customer experience. So that's kind of the manual side of things. The digital steps are kind of like working your flowcharts into a checklist within your program. So if you've got a program that supports that sort of workflow management, then ideally for each of your primary processes, you're setting up um, that workflow so that each time it gets triggered, your checklist populates. People have a task there that they can work through, check it off, make notes as they go. If you use an external workflow program, then those same sorts of steps are required. But before you can set up all your digital tools, you kind of need to have your analog processes sorted as well. So I think those initial team conversations around flowcharts are a good way to start because involving the team in that process also enhances their level of engagement and buy-in with that. Whereas if you just roll in as a team leader and go, hey, here's how we're doing it all now, then you're kind of just imposing your will on the team, which means that their likelihood of them embracing that is going to be a lot less than if they feel they've been heard and included in that um, that kind of series of process designs. Have you got some digital tools for workflow that or the flow charts that you can share with us, apart from obviously Comeo, um, which we will get into talking about in a minute? Yeah, so within Colmio, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this shortly, we have configurable checklists for all of the workflows, and that is done by the system administrator, so you can set up your own uh, processes in there. Yeah, I do. Like, I have flowcharts available from some of my old process stuff because 
when I first started our journey with offshore assistance, we needed to kind of go through that process design scenario. So yeah, I do definitely still have some flowcharts around for that if you would like. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I can vouch for that. I have got offshore support and I had the old, the old you know, 400 page process manual gathering dust on my shelf. But once we, we did get offshore help, the flowcharts and the workflows have been a game changer inside my business. And it has delivered all of those things that you mentioned, better consistency for the team. Everybody knows what they're doing. Happier clients because it is the same process. Everybody, there's no cowboys out there. And if there is cowboys out there, we pull or cowgirls, we pull them back back in by the reins and, you know, and we've got something to go back to. No one can say that they weren't trained or they weren't shown because it's actually on a workflow, on a chart in front of them that they, you know, can pull up anytime if they're confused about what's the next step. So I really love that. And I'm, I'm a bit of a tech and software geek as well. And I love learning about all the new stuff that's coming and it's changing so quickly and all the new AI stuff that's coming out. Tell us a little bit about Comio's journey and how you guys got started, where it came, where the idea came from and how it is different to the other property management software providers out there. There's been so much talk of stress, overwhelm and burnout in property management lately. Do you want to know how I overcame all of that? Yes, I hit rock bottom multiple times, but I got myself a virtual assistant. Actually, not just one, but three. But I didn't just get any VA, I got a PMVA. What are they? Well, they are the most well-trained in the business. And not only that, you also have a backup VA. So that essentially, your business is never without admin support ever again. And my health, time and business has never looked back. Your PMVA can take care of tasks like rent arrears, lease preparation and renewals, maintenance follow-up, routine inspection bookings, data entry, audits, prospecting, inbox management, and so much more. And the best part of implementing a PMVA in my business was that it freed up my time and my team's time to take care of important things like customer service. What makes me feel so safe is that PMVA is owned by Tiffany Botel, both here and in the Philippines, making my data secure and giving me more control over the VA arrangement. So head to the link in the show notes to book in your discovery call with Lady Boss Tiff. Uh, okay, so there is actually a bit of a history lesson here, so just bear with me for a moment. The origins of Colmio are actually in an older server-based program called Agent Plus. So um, Agent Plus was a program that came to be in about 2006 when run property management was kind of the original large-scale property management business that floated on the stock exchange, aggregated a whole bunch of rent rolls and got real big, real fast. Now, at that point in time, we were still very much in traditional server-based property management software, and most of the off-the-shelf offerings at the time were just not suitable for large-scale businesses. They just simply didn't have the capacity. Even thinking back to the Rental Express days, even at about 3,500 properties uh, on the old console gateway program, it was a scenario where the last person that was working in the office had to start the backup as they left, and it would run all the way overnight, and you just had to hope that it was finished by the time the first person came in 
day because, as you know, you didn't do any work while the backups were happening. And, you know, sometimes that didn't happen or the backups failed or whatever. And then you have to go, oh, we lose a whole day of productivity or do we run the backup again? Like, what's what the higher risk? And in between all that, you know, platform crashes and so on and so forth. So what Run became acutely aware of back then is that off-the-shelf products would work for their scale aspirations and they had to find a better solution. So they went to market and found a platform called Remedy, which was actually the Remedy Action Request System, which was a workflow system specifically designed for large-scale, multi-office, multi-location, kind of even international types of businesses that had you know, complex help desks and all of that type of stuff. So it was um, a system rich with kind of those large-scale enterprise features in terms of timestamping, audit trails, the fact that a piece of work could move around for multiple people and departments and everyone always what everyone had done on that. And so they spent a fair bit of money customizing that platform into uh, a suitable tool to do property management with. And that was what the Agent Plus product was. When the little group, uh, when Paul Little bought Run Property and delisted it and it became a private entity, he the Agent Plus program, that transaction. So Agent Plus was originally built for that purpose, but then they realized it was a great program for scale and lots of people wanted a big rent roll, so it was made uh, available for, for other um, other businesses. And when I was at Rental Express, we were, I think, one of the first external customers onto the Agent Plus platform. So I think the defining difference is that when you consider the roots of Agent Plus versus other traditional property management, management software, other property management software kind of started as accounting programs and then they had a bit of workflow stuff added on later whereas agent plus started as a workflow program first and had the accounting added to it after that so what we sought to do with colmio because we needed to move that agent plus experience from a server-based program and into the cloud because you know was 2020 after all um, was to kind of harness what we would think of as the legacy strengths and the things that people really liked about agent plus don't replicate the things that used to frustrate me. And there were some of those, let me let me tell you. And then also kind of have a bit of a fresh general overview and strategy about what we want it to do and what we want it to be as a software program. So I think the the primary difference in Colmio at the market in, in market right now is firstly, as I mentioned, we're kind of workflow first. So all about how we get uh, the job done. We really understand the unique needs of large-scale property management businesses because not only um, is that what our prior program was designed for, but so many people at Colmio have spent uh, considerable periods of time in these large-scale businesses as well. And so with that, um, we've always been heavily focused on the workflow aspect. We really want to build a platform that um, allows people to be more efficient and complement what they do. Like we're not about replacing the property manager or getting rid of the intermediary at all. We really value the role that the property manager plays in that. But we understand the job is tough, take a lot of time, people are under stress, people are under pressure. And I'm quite a detail-focused person. So, you know, I look at if you're a property manager and you do 30 things a day and you can save two minutes doing each of them, then all of a sudden that's an extra hour a day. So I think the the misconception with efficiency when property managers are confronted with this change management scenario is if my boss wants me to be more efficient, he just wants me to do more work. But sometimes your boss actually just wants you to do less work. So if you can do everything you want to do in a day and you can do it in an hour less, that can be the difference between you having a lunch break or not, uh, being able to leave on time or not, 
being able to go and pick up the kids perhaps from school um, because everything is kind of done. But outside of the individual, the way that extrapolates from an efficiency perspective across the business, you know, um, when I was at Little Real Estate Business, we had over 200 property managers. So if you're saving 200 people one hour every single day, that's 200 hours a day in efficiency that you're saving across the whole business. That's five working weeks. That has a really big impact on, um, you know, do you need to add additional staff because staff, you know, are obviously a very expensive thing from a business point of view. Businesses often struggle with profitability. Um, you know, it's a big cost to kind of have. So when you start considering the impacts of these little incremental efficiency improvements, they really do add up, not just for the person, but certainly for the business. And so tell me a little bit more about then some of the differences between some of the other platforms out there. Um, because I like the fact when I had a demo that I could just jump on and pretty much my day is planned out for me. It's everything sitting there that I've got to follow up or that I need to do. It's like a to-do list built into the platform, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So basically everything that you do in property management Colmeo is done in what's called a request. So a request is like a task, but I guess it's much more fully featured. So we have requests that you can create yourself for different process types, and we have a whole lot of automatically triggered requests. So things like Lease renewal um, requests are generated based on the lease dates that you put in the system at the beginning, and they trigger at a preset time before that expires, uh, because we want to automate and digitize as much of that as possible, so you don't kind of have to think about it, and so it just pops up in your to-do list uh, when it's time to start taking action. So um, the idea of a request is for everything that you do, um, everything related to that process is kept within that request, so um, you can merge documentation from a request, you can merge uh, email correspondence from a request you can send sms's from a request you can also drop and drag everything back into that request as well photos forms letters anything that's been sent to you emails so for every process that you do everything related to that process stays within that request always and that just builds a really powerful um, library over time so from a manager's point of view if you've had a complaint about something that happened two years ago then you can just go back through the property look request and straight away you've got everything in it doesn't matter if that team member has departed or anything it's just a really nice and powerful way to organize work. Now, that's helped me over the years in so many different ways um, from a manager point of view, but also as a property manager, I really loved it as well because I did manage portfolios on that same sort of basis. And it was really a game changer for me. Um, but we're just in the process of working in even more features into our request now. So um, you can snooze a request. So the way a request looks on your screen is basically Everything that you need to do today should be there for you. You work through that and then you either complete that task or you snooze it off to the following day or next week or next month or whenever you need to take that next step. So when you are looking at your screening Colmio, it's basically what you need to do today. People basically then just kind of work through it, get it back to zero. And that's kind of how it works. So we're enhancing a request now by adding configurable checklists uh, to the request. So as a way to kind of guide team members on how you want to get things done, um, but also as we kind of discussed earlier, for your newer team members or uh, people that you're going through the process of onboarding, you've got those visual prompts there for them to work through. So uh, a system administrator or a general manager or a department head can configure all of the different types of checklists that you want to have for all of the different processes that you do. When you generate a request as a, uh, of that type of process, then the checklist automatically populates. Your team member works through that. Um, they check it off as they go. And if they try and skip a step, they've got to put a reason in as to why they want to skip that step. And they also can't close the, re the request off until everything is done in it. So they've either got to have ticked it and done it or selected not applicable and put in the reason why it's not applicable. And then they kind of close that task. So it's really helpful in 
the pursuit of uniformity of how you do things in your business, but also making sure that people are consistent in what they do and that people aren't skipping steps because, yeah, the, the system basically doesn't allow them to. That's great. Great transparency, which is one of the issues that in the past a lot of um, business owners and property managers and teams have had is as soon as somebody leaves, you start uncovering all these things that haven't been done, all the little secrets that have been stashed away, which ends up causing nice nightmares and losses of management. So um, I really love that that transparency element as well. And talk about, so say somebody's already using one of the other platforms and they wanted to come over to Comio. Um, obviously, you um, can, you know, migrate all the data across and, you know, how hard or difficult is it to, because it is different to other platforms. So how hard is it to switch, you know, your head or your mind? That's I'm a creature of habit. I don't like change. So yeah. for me, it would be a big deal to change just, you know, even though it is all the pluses, still for me, it, I have that fear around change. So um, talk us through that. Yeah, well, there's a lot of different elements to it, I guess. So from a practical point of view, from a migration and replatforming perspective, um, you know, we're fortunate enough to have done two largest platform remigrations that have ever happened in Australia. So um, we have a lot of experience with working with businesses, particularly large-scale businesses, and we have a complete program and suite of uh, tools, resources, processes just around that whole replatforming piece, uh, including all of the stakeholder management with owners, tenants, team members, the learning, all of that type of stuff. So, you know, that is all well covered. Uh, I think the the greater conversation is, is around why people want to change. So I think it's important to be dissatisfied with your existing arrangement before you think about change. Like if you really love everything about your existing tech stack and how it works and there's no problem for you, then there's no point in changing to anything. But if you are experiencing challenges, and I guess a lot of the conversations we have with customers kind of have a few similar themes. One is that the most popular common off-the-shelf property management products don't necessarily cater to larger scale businesses that well. So the, the typical real estate business in Australia has, as per all of the Macquarie benchmarking, generally varies somewhere around about that 400 property mark. And you know, the existing products in market kind of cater well to that type of scenario. So. There might be a few little annoyances around it, but you're generally not experiencing enough annoyance on enough scale for it to be a big enough irritation for you to go out and kind of have a other options. But if you get to 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 plus, these kind of challenges become a lot more pronounced. And that's when we find a lot of people are sort of looking at options for a whole range of reasons. One is consolidation and simplification of the tech stack. So the hub and spoke model in property management is quite popular now, but it also has a whole lot of drawbacks, particularly the bigger you get, the harder it gets. So having a core operating system with 10 or 15 bolted on scenarios gives you good individual solutions to a lot of individual problems, but it also presents problems of its own in a lot of different ways. I mean, there's the complexity of the tech stack to begin with and how people can kind of learn that. There's the cost of it. So for every subscription and add-on product you have, you're additionally paying for that. So you're escalating your operational costs. There's a real customer experience angle to it as well. So if you're an owner and a tenant and the business you're dealing with wants you to have an app for maintenance, different app to go and look at payment stuff and a different app to check out your lease renewal details and all that type of stuff, and you're going to three or four different spots, then the likelihood that you're having a fun time is lower and your engagement with that business is also likely to be lower. I mean, people just want kind of one spot to go where they can have all of the information that they want. 
But there's also that real user experience thing as well. So you're constantly going into and out of a whole range of different programs. You've got a whole lot of windows open. It impacts your ability to be kind of productive and mobile. So we're big into flexible work and our mobile app allows you to do just about as many things as you can do on your PC back in the office. So there's a whole range of challenges that come with that hub and spoke model. Some people love the hub and spoke model. If you love it, you should definitely keep it. If you are starting to kind of experience frustrations around that whole complexity, the cost, the user experience, the customer experience, then you know a, a platform like Colmio is a good option to have a look at. So we, as much as possible, want to be quite a broad platform that minimizes but doesn't remove the need for add-on services. So, you know, we do have several integrations that we have with partners, but I think it's important to understand that not all integrations are created equal. So the typical concept of an API and a public API basically involves two different companies giving as little information as possible to make sure that each side of that stuff works. And so you end up with silos of information. Um, You end up with kind of muted functionality, I guess, because not all information is moving one side and the other. And also you end up with scenario where if you want to stop using a particular tool, You've got all of your information and IP locked away in that. And can you even bring that back into your primary native operating system? So these are some of the challenges that people have with that hub and spoke model. Um, but I guess to circle back to your original point around change, like change is hard for everyone. You've got to be changing for the right reasons. The hardest thing in the world to do is change when you're already really happy with what you're doing. Like if you're really happy with what you're doing, I would advise you to just keep doing it. But if you are experiencing some of the frustrations that I've spoken about, then yeah, that's when we could have a chat and be the systems. I will include a uh, demo inside my property management membership PM Accelerate, but and I'll also include in the show notes links to book in directly with your team as well to have a bit of a demo there as well. Thanks. Now, I love personal development and I am assuming you are very similar given your history and your love of tech and software. You've got to, you know, do lots of learning around and growth around that. So can you share a tool, a resource, a podcast, something that you could share with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to talk about a couple of books that I've found really impactful uh, throughout my journey. And mm-hmm. like so many people in property management, I found myself in a situation where I was moved into leadership roles, but had absolutely no idea what leadership was. There are a lot more tools and people and training courses around kind of in the modern day to help in that regard, thankfully, but it's symptomatic of many people's journey, not only my own, that people are technically very good at a role and they get elevated into leadership and leadership is very different to being technically great at doing a particular thing. It's a very different skill set. So there's three things that I've found particularly impactful for me. The first is a book called The One Minute Manager. It's actually quite an old book, but it's an oldie but a goodie. So it talks about three primary kind of all aspects of management, one-minute praisings, one-minute goal-setting, one-minute reprimands. Reprimand is a very kind of emotive term, so it's not as, I guess, conflict-laden as that word would would have you believe. But one of the key aspects that it talks about is this concept of management by walking around. So being out there on the floor with your team and, in particular, catching them doing stuff right so that you can praise them. So, so often people move into a management role and they're just intent on finding anything that anyone's doing incorrectly and correcting it. And they don't actually, for the moment, to give praise. And I think that's actually a more powerful uh, way to lead and to, to build rapport with your team. So 
the one minute manager manager is great. Lots of transferable skills in there, and it's a short read. So you know, I have it on audio. You can listen under an hour, like if you're on a plane flight or anything like that. The second book is uh, one by Patrick Lentioni. So Patrick is uh, a pretty high profile American consultant coach in that whole um, leadership and business kind of cohesiveness space. Uh, it's a book that's called The Truth About Employee Engagement. Now, it actually used to be called Three Signs of a Miserable Job, but I think um, over a period of time, people found that quite a confronting title. So I actually renamed it to be The Truth About Employee Engagement. But the good thing about Patrick is he has a very light method of, of writing a book. Like It's not very heavy, hard language. It's kind of light, entertaining, fable style. So he tells you know the key messages in the story format, which I find quite relatable. But he talks about uh, anonymity, measurement and um, irrelevance as being three underpinning factors of every person in every job and every role. It doesn't matter if you're the janitor. It doesn't matter if you're mowing grass. It doesn't matter if you're part of a leadership team. These are the three core underlying elements that everyone needs in order to feel engaged in the work they do. So once again, that's a really short read and quite impactful. Uh, a third book that I find quite quite amazing in a lot of different ways is also by Patrick Lencioni and it's called The Advantage. So that talks more about team dynamics and cohesiveness and you know, how to have constructive debate and get the best out of everyone in the room. It talks about all of the common problems that teams have and how to kind of get over that. So between those three books, uh, I think there's yeah, a lot of nuggets of gold in there. If you haven't haven't read them, get onto it. If you're into that scenario where you've just become a manager and you're kind of looking at where to turn for that sort of info, then I think that's three really good places to start. Thank you so much for sharing. I will include links for those in my show notes as well. Now, how can our audience connect with you further? Well, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. If you get me on Instagram, all you see is mountain bikes and food. But hey, if you like that, then cool. Jump on there. You can email me at Colmio. It's just brock.fisher at colmio.com or mobiles 0418. 823519. And tell me before we sign off, how soon after the end of November is that moustache going? I've got lunch with some people on Friday, which is the 1st of December, so I might leave it on for that, but it'll be going pretty quickly afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. A little birdie told me that your wife's happy for it to go. <laughs> yeah, she's not a super fan. I mean, obviously, she puts, supports the Movember initiative and what it's all about, but yeah, she prefers a cleanly shaven face, that's for sure. <laughs> Brock, thank you so much for joining me and taking time out of your busy schedule today. Thank you for the invite. Really appreciate it. One thing I dread doing is chasing up rent arrears and debt collection. It takes up valuable time and it can often lead to conflict. But it is a necessary evil when you are running a property management business. But there is an easier way to make sure your tenant's rent is paid on time and in advance, and it's called RentPay. RentPay is a secure and simple to use payment platform that saves agents time and money with fast, accurate receding while making life better for renters. To top it all off, you'll never have to worry about dishonor fees or unknown deposits again. How good is that? Cleared funds are deposited straight into your bank account in a single daily payment with accurate receding and reference numbers auto-assigned and it's fully compatible with all trust accounting systems. 
It's a super flexible payment option for tenants who can pay rent in multiple ways, including direct debit, credit card, or instantly pay with payer ID. Fees are minimal and RentPay even helps with the rent arrears process by automating reminders to renters when payments are due or missed. If you are currently paying large bank fees, struggling with constant dishonours because the funds aren't cleared when their funds land in your trust, or wasting time chasing up unknown payments, I encourage you to book in a free demo with RentPay and give yourself and your renters an easier way to pay rent. There's been so much talk of stress, overwhelm and burnout in property management lately. Do you want to know how I overcame all of that? Yes, I hit rock bottom multiple times, but I got myself a virtual assistant. Actually, not just one, but three. But I didn't just get any VA, I got a PMVA. What are they? Well, they are the most well-trained in the business. And not only that, you also have a backup VA, so that essentially your business is never without admin support ever again and my health time and business has never looked back your pmva can take care of tasks like rent arrears lease preparation and renewals maintenance follow-up routine inspection bookings data entry audits prospecting inbox management and so much more and the best part of implementing a pmva in my business was that it freed up my time and my team's time to take care of important things like customer service. What makes me feel so safe is that PMVA is owned by Tiffany Botel, both here and in the Philippines, making my data secure and giving me more control over the VA arrangement. So head to the link in the show notes to book in your discovery call with Lady Boss Tiff. Can I ask you a quick favor before you leave this episode? Now, we all know how important reviews are for businesses these days, and mine is no different. If you could spare just a minute to follow, rate, and review this podcast, it would mean a lot to me. In fact, what would get me super excited is if you share this podcast with someone in the industry who you think might need to hear some of the episodes right now. And if you'd like to find out more about working with me or any of the products I have to help you start, grow or scale your property management business, head to my website, thatpropertymum.com.au or check out the links in the show notes.